It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I think that was the line from The Truman Show and one Truman Burbank. Jason Bryant here with you. Not Truman Burbank because I am a real person. I was not created for a situation comedy that became the top-grossing sitcom of all time, a reality show. But Kyle Klingman, you, do you have an interesting uh, anecdote about The Truman Show, or, or is it just, just me believing that you have something to do with The Truman Show that I'm not aware of? I love that movie. If you're talking about the movie... Oh, absolutely, I'm talking about the movie. I, it's a phenomenal movie, and uh, I mean... I don't know if this was just a setup for me to start talking about the hammer, which you just saw, but uh, if it is, I'd like to get your take on it because I've seen it. I've already said my piece about it. I think it's your time to say your piece about hammer. Well, the the thing is, I wasn't setting it up to talk about the hammer, even though uh, it, it was. Let's give you a little backstory here. Um, where we currently live, we we are currently spending some time with our uh, our well, my beloved in-laws, my my wife's parents, while we're getting situated back here in Minnesota. And one of our Christmas presents to them was a three-month subscription to Netflix. To since they don't have cable, and uh, we've just bumped up the internet here, which makes these podcasts of on the mat, the web edition, possible. But uh, when that came around, and of course I have an Apple TV, so it was easy to get Netflix through the Apple TV, which is, uh, I'm a Mac head, and it was, that was actually my Christmas present like two years ago for my wife. But so we set it up, and, yesterday, and Tuesday while I was on baby duty all day long, I, I, had, I could not get any work done. Um, I was just babysitting Lucy all day with her crying in poopy diapers. The last two hours coming down the stretch, I'm like, all right, let me turn on Netflix. She's asleep. I might be able to get, some, get something done. So it's the hammer. I, I'd seen it the other day, and it's the story of Matt Hamill, which which we know fairly well from being in wrestling. Sure. Uh, three-time Division Three national champ at Rochester Institute of Technology, affectionately known as RIT. So uh, I, I start watching this, and of course, you know, the story is he's he's a 
a wrestler that's deaf who is uh, trying to overcome the adversity, not be able to hear. You know, it, it's a story we've that's uh, it's admirable. He went on to the UFC, but when we get into the Hollywood sense, uh, sense sensationalization of certain things, that's when uh, I had to send a text to Kyle Klingman because <laughs> I haven't heard your full. Uh, I guess synopsis of the movie, but as soon, you know, being a stats geek, I started looking at things, and it's like the first thing that jumped out to me is is uh, Jason Sloan, the uh, I guess he would be the antagonist character, uh, if from the wrestling standpoint, went to Frampton. Now, I, I, you know, this might have been a surprise to me. I'd never heard of this this college before, and I, I went to right to Google, and I wanted to make sure that there was a wrestling team in Frampton. The only Frampton I really came up with, or at least the top hit on Google, was uh, Peter Frampton and uh-huh. his Frampton Comes Alive album from, of course, the 70s, which was affectionately mentioned in Wayne's World, which is the first place I had ever heard of Peter Frampton. But uh, no school named Frampton. Um, then we get into uh, the, the wrestling part of it's where I really, really struggled. Because the story, I think, I think the story is good up until yeah. you, you factor in the wrestling. Because, one, we know that Matt Hamill was a three-time national champ. Two, we know that he won the national finals his first year in Division Three, seven zero. 7-0. Three, we know that the nationals that year were held at Ohio Northern University in Ada, Ohio, and not in Rochester. Yeah. Uh, four, four or five, I don't know, I've lost count now. Um, I have never seen a wrestler in a singlet in the corner during a national final. Um, True. I have seen national finals in gym-like situations, like we saw in Houston that year, if you re- you remember that trip. I do. So uh, that wasn't too far-fetched. But, um, and then, then, of course, the, the injury time, and then the hammer. Hammer. Yeah. Hammer. And then, of course, as you like to point out, rushing the mat after a middleweight final. <laughs> right. Forget the fact that 177, 190, and heavyweight still have to wrestle. So... Yeah. Oh, and then there's the uh, the the rent a, a score clock that you get at like any sporting goods store. Um, I actually thought the guy doing the announcing in the last final scene wasn't bad, although uh, when you break a, da- a man down on the mat, you're not always looking for a cradle. But uh, I, I think I've beaten up the hammer way too much um, because <laughs> you know it, it. You know it's the story's not about wrestling, but when wrestling people watch it, it's like ah, oh, come on. So yeah. Now, really I, I will say this legendary. I watched that about a year ago with John Cena. was actually one of the more believable wrestling movies I've I know, seen. Oddly enough, it was good. And, and, you know, even John Cena's character, um, what was it, Mike Chetley that he played. And, you know, even his, his practice moves and his, his drilling type of stuff actually looked a little more realistic than the coach in Vision Quest with the singlet and the polo shirt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I actually got to give WWE Films some credit for Legendary. I thought it was an aver- uh, a slightly above average wrestling movie. It's pretty good, yeah. I, I liked it. You know, that was a Red Box or a Netflix. I can't remember which one it was. But, uh, yeah, it was good. But uh, anyway, we, we, we've talked about something that has absolutely no relevance on the current state of college wrestling, unlike your show yesterday, which uh, unfortunately we did not get a chance to hear. But if you want to give us a quick recap of what uh, what on the mat was with Steve Marinetti of Elmhurst and Doug Schwab at Northern Iowa. Well, really, the recap was uh, the, the phenomenal seasons that uh, that both coaches are having. And phenomenal is probably a little strong word. Uh, I think it's 
probably a little more accurate for uh, for Elmhurst at this point. I think a phenomenal weekend for Northern Iowa and Doug Schwab knocked off Oklahoma in a huge dual meet and then beat uh, uh, Illinois Edwardsville, Southern Illinois Edwardsville, and then big win over Northwestern. So, I mean, it's the turning point that I think Coach Schwab had, had always been talking about. Uh, having him on the program, of course, he is from that Iowa mold. He's not going to concede anything. He's still talking about, hey, we still have a lot lot uh, more to do in the rankings, and we still got a, a lot of spots to get up. So he's not going to concede anything. He's not going to be satisfied with anything. But uh, he, he was still excited. I mean, it was a, a huge dual meet win, uh, the 18-15 win. And he elaborated on uh, what went on in that 174-pound match where a lot of people were confused. As you know, Jason, uh, you cannot disqualify someone for stalling as it stands now. It used to be that it was after five stall calls you could be disqualified. Now if you get a stall warning, the next one, it's all subsequent one-point stall calls. And so when Keith Pullman uh, called for the, the match to end, kind of said, hey, the match is over, we got a little clarification on what happened. And the, the explanation was that uh, he called an injury time and that uh, the Oklahoma wrestler was uh, was awarded an injury default or an injury forfeit. So that's how the Northern Iowa got the six points. That's the 18-15 to 15 win over Oklahoma. Uh, you listened to the meet live. Uh, it, it was absolutely electric. The West Gym is a, an unbelievable place to watch wrestling because you are, seriously, you are right on the mat. There were times that they would go off the mat and go into the crowd when uh, when there was great, some great wrestling action. So top to bottom, one of those once-in-a-lifetime dual meets that uh, was just uh, an amazing place to be for uh for an evening of wrestling. Yeah, I was listening to the duel by uh, Andy Furman, who was down there with our our crew with AWN's Tom Live, and you know, listening to the the, the bout, it was just extremely confusing. Uh, you know, with with uh, the wrestler tossing his cookies there in the trash can, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, that, that turned to point. Now, uh, with, the, with the rankings coming out this week, I got a couple inquiries from some folks around the country uh, who happen to maintain positions. Uh, as a head coach, let's let's just talk around that delicately. Uh, some people wondering is like, well, wait a minute, Northern Iowa, yeah, they they come in ranked 21 this week, but did did the voters not see the loss the previous week to Air Force 1918? So, uh, do you think Northern Iowa's ranking is justified from uh, from your standpoint? I do. I, I think that when you uh, when you knock out two teams ranked in the top 25, that uh, it certainly justifies. Being in the top 25, I think that uh, it's a dual meet ranking. Uh, they lost 19 to 18 to Air Force, of course, as you mentioned. But uh, other than that, they've had a, a pretty good season and have wrestled some some tough competition. I think that uh, when when you're looking at rankings, it's all about what has happened recently. So I think that 21 is a pretty fair ranking, and that's not. Uh, I'm not saying that is a homer pick. I really think that they they deserve that at this point. Uh, I think what they do against Missouri this weekend is gonna gonna say a lot. But I think top 25, yeah, I'd give it to them. Now, in, in switching gears back to uh, Division Three and Steve Marionetti, uh, recently we are doing a four-page spread on the new program at Ferrum College in uh, southwestern Virginia and their new coach, Nate Yetzer, who uh, might not be a bad guest for the terrestrial on the mat. Hint, hint, yeah. nudge, nudge. But uh, in, in discussions there and talking with Yetzer and, and their AD, Abe Naff, and then talking to other coaches, I even talked to John Ostendorp, which I had to call you to get his information. But a uh, point to be brought up is Marinetti is one of the few, and I, I can only think of two off the top of my head. I might be wrong here. I have to look up at my D3 list, but – Two Division One All Americans and, and and coaching in actually three. There's three. There, Eric Jurgens, Steve Marinetti, and John Ostendorp. And 
Uh, interesting enough that that Marionetti is a Division three national, uh, Division one national champ, coaching in Division three. How rare do you think that is, and would you like to see more of that? Well, Jim Miller too. Let's throw him in the mix. He was a two-time Division one All-American at Northern Iowa, and then a two-time Division two champion. So right, okay, so yeah, well. the college division. That's where that's that's the uh, the gray area. But yes, you are absolutely factually correct in that. So yep. we've got four. So, but but you're right. I mean, it's uh, and I brought that up with Steve Marionetti and and just said, hey, you're a Division one. NCAA champion and you're coaching Division Three. Uh, is this where you want to stay long term? And and I've asked that to John Ostendorp too, and and both say yes. This is where I want to be. This is a job I want to be in, and and they like the Division Three product. And we really spent some time talking about that. That Division Three is a is a quality division. This is a good level of competition, and I think that it's probably more recognized in our sport of wrestling than and than other sports. I think it. Uh, for, for whatever reason, we pay more attention to it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Augsburg-Warburg rivalry, especially being around here. You're in Minnesota. I'm in Iowa. And I think that you just pay attention. And then the New York Times article certainly elevates that rivalry even higher. So I think Division Three wrestling really has a, a pull and a draw. And I think that coaches are seeing that as a viable option. Well, and some of it might also be the fact that there is a lot of crossover in wrestling that you don't get in other sports, I can think of sailing. There's some crossover, and, and I'm not sure, maybe some track and field. You're more of the running expert than I am. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like, okay, well, hey, there's Wartburg wrestled Wisconsin last year. I mean, where else would you see in an official match? Where else would you see, like, Duke playing uh, Christopher Newport in basketball or something, or, or a football team, a D1 football team playing a Division three football team? It just doesn't happen. I think with just the amount of programs we have in our sport, uh, it makes sense to cover Division Two, Division Three, NAI, junior colleges, et cetera, in kind of the same manner. I know that whenever there's a top ten duel with uh, Division Three teams, we feature it on Amateur Wrestling News, at least on the website. So, yeah, um, I think, and I think it also has to do with the community. I mean, you bring up Iowa, and that's a, that's a good example because there's even discussions on the Iowa Hawkeye message boards about the Iowa Conference in Division Three with with uh, the solid programs they've got there. So. Uh, I think maybe it might be uh, – it's definitely a plus for our sport that we pay more attention. I'd like to see more uh, overall fans pay attention to things outside the Big Ten, Big 12, and EIWA, just in Division One. But there's so many more programs, and there's there's so many more parents from Division Three than our Division One because there's more yeah. programs, and there's – you know, you're looking at some schools have 30, 40 kids because they're enrollment drivers. Well, and there's, uh, there, there's another point, too, with uh... – with tournaments being as they are, that a lot of times you'll see Wartburg go down to uh, Harold Nichols Cyclone Open or the UNI Open. So there's a lot of inter- intermingling of Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI wrestling a lot of Division One opponents throughout the season. So there's there you see that a lot with the sport, and I don't think you're going to see that with a lot of other sports, especially since it's one on one. And I think the other thing that's elevated it too is just the the former national duels concept where all these programs wrestled side by side for a while in the Uni Dome. I think that really made it. Uh, a viable division, and it uh, has continued to grow since then. Well, now they still have the national duels in the multi divisions. The division ones is not not included with it, and that's Correct. kind of what what kicked your interview up with Marionetti. Elmhurst took second in Division Three. Interestingly enough, it was the first time that uh, it hadn't been either Wartburg, Augsburg, or Wisconsin Lacrosse in 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 the finals against one another in, in right. ever, I believe. That's correct. Because I know lacrosse made the finals one year at UNI. Uh, I'm 
think they might have been wrestling. Uh, might have been against Augsburg. I can't can't quite recall, but I, I know lacrosse has been in there in the finals. But then, now you got Elmhurst, a new player, and they're ranked number two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interesting. Uh, you, uh, did you talk to Marinetti much about uh, Joe Rao and, and Mike Benefield? Well, we we really focused on Mike Benefield. Really didn't get to talk about Rao, but. Benefield's an interesting story because he transferred from Oklahoma State wrestling at 197 right now. And, and the, the line of questioning was, hey, you have a Division One guy coming to a Division Three school. I think probably, probably the expectation or the thought is, hey, you're going down a division, there's got to be less pressure. But I, I've talked to, to Jim Miller about this point, is that uh, when Mark Kiss went from Iowa State to Wartburg, uh, Miller thought, hey, it's going to be you know a little less pressure coming to Wartburg. You go from Division One to Division Three, but in actuality, it was the exact opposite because you go to Wartburg and the expectation is you got to win every single match. We're a championship team; you have to win every time. And I think that uh, there is that expectation probably for Benefield that hey, I wrestled Oklahoma State. I'm transferring to Elmhurst, uh, Division One caliber win every single match so i think there's probably more pressure for a guy going from a division one to division three just because the expectations are you need to win every time uh, what about him, him going between 74 he had started the year at 97 comes down to 74 and then now he's back at 97 obviously Rao being at 84 they're not going to bump him around uh you know what are your thoughts uh, did did steve talk much about the uh, 174 to 197 scenario yeah if I, if I remember right from the interview i think he said that uh he, he just didn't want to be in a position where he was cutting weight and he just felt good just not having to cut weight and for the first time in his life it was like hey i just get to get to weigh in and and just be my natural weight so i think that was the the thinking with that um a lot of times as you know when you're going on interviews you you pick pick up certain things as you're trying to think of the next question but that's kind of what i remember from uh from what he said about uh, that particular piece of the interview uh, let's move over to division two for a moment uh how much did you pay attention to the the outcome in division two steve costanzo and st cloud state won the division two national rules they beat notre dame college now in their their first year of eligibility in division two Notre Dame College with a freak of an athlete and a wrestler, true freshman Joey Davis. Are you are you looking forward to watching him at all? Well, now, now that you call him a freak of an athlete, I, I am. I haven't had a chance to to see him uh, wrestle in any capacity, but uh, it, we're, we're both fans of the the other divisions, and, and I don't even like to say lower divisions. I only say that because it's uh, kind of a, a numerical. Uh, way to say that it's uh, below Division One, but uh, I love Division Two wrestling, Division Three, and even NAI. I like women's wrestling, uh, junior college. I think there's a uh, just a great products all the way across the board. So anytime I get a chance to watch those Division Two guys, it's really fun. All right, the big one this weekend: Iowa and Minnesota, the border brawl. Uh, any thoughts of you coming up to Minneapolis for said dual meet? Uh, you know, there's always thoughts. I, I don't think I'm going to be up there for that as much as I would like to, but I'll tell you, it, uh, it perked my interest watching the, uh, the Minnesota-Illinois dual meet. It came down to heavyweight, and Minnesota pulled it out 18-14. to 14. So, Some losses I, I didn't expect with Jason Ness getting beat at 149, and uh, Illinois, uh, or, actually, yep, Dylan Ness. Don't mean me, to, put, uh, don't me to correct you on that, but, no, uh, you know. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I, you know, that happens with brothers, you know, where you say the wrong name. But Dylan Ness at 149, uh, a sophomore coming in and uh, returning uh, runner-up at the NCAA tournament. I, I tell you, that surprised me, but uh, they pulled it out, 18-14. to 14. Jay Robinson uh, does not have a knee right now, and he was out of commission for the dual meet, and I don't know when he's going to be back. But I know Minnesota does not like losing to Iowa, and so anytime you get that, uh, that battle between those two teams, it's going to be really fun. And, boy, I wish I could be up there. 
Yeah, with, with it's funny. We were sitting there on Matt's side and calling the action with the, with the Illinois duel. And if you'd have told me before that Minnesota would get majored with with Dardanes, with Chris Dardanes would get majored, Dylan S would get majored, Cody Yon would lose, and David Thorne would lose, and they would still win the duel <laughs> beat. Yeah. I would have wanted to know one what you were smoking and two where I could have gotten some because that just <laughs> seems uh, so crazy. I mean, it's just you got to give credit to especially Scott Schiller uh, who came out and beat a, a higher ranked wrestler. Uh, you know, as a, as a uh, a guy that's first year starting in the lineup, I mean that was a big swing match. If if he doesn't win that match, it's going to have to come down to Tony Nelson to get six. And uh, you know, could he have gotten six if he needed it? Possibly. I mean, I, I he didn't exactly major Chris Lopez. He had the opportunity, but uh, you know, Schiller took a lot of pressure off his team and get that win. And of course, uh, what do you think about the the takedown? Uh, that was waved off after the video review. That seemed to swing the entire, not just that match, but the entire duel in favor of Minnesota because Logan Storley comes out and gets two and two in the next sequence to to win that match against Jordan Blanton. That's a that's a good question, and it's it's one of the the gray areas in our sport where you have to give some reaction time. But as uh, as they went through and and you look at it in slow motion, did he have enough reaction time? I I happen to agree with Jim Gibbons, who was on the on the call that that should have been a takedown, and I really thought it was. And so, I mean, he had the takedown, and then you see him put in the wizard. So uh, it's it's the gray area. It's where this uh, this video review is really making a difference. I think the gray area, too, is when you consider reaction time and you're watching it in slow motion, how can you judge reaction time based when it's slow-mo? Like when I first saw right. it, you know, I, I couldn't see the wizard to the far side. My, my view was blocked there. Uh, apparently the video review angle did ha- was from the other side of the mat. But the way I looked at it is I would have said, okay, that was two. And then when he, he popped and faced at the hit with the wizard, I was like, okay, wave it off. And then as I go back and watch it again, uh, Flow Wrestling broke it down pretty good in real time. And I'm looking, I was like, well, you know, he did have – the thing is, the question is then, do you is it control just because you knock a guy to his butt and have your arms close to around him? He wasn't wrapped around him. The wizard was in. I mean, I think you're right. It's a gray area. Um you know, I'm I'm still unsure of uh, everything that goes with the call. It was definitely a a match changing call or no call or a waved off call. But uh, one thing that I'd like to see more consistent is this also goes with the international things. Is you know, when you look at a review, what do you challenge? In FILA, it's a lot more convoluted because you have to ask what you're challenging, and some of these officials aren't even paying attention to what you're challenging. Right. They're looking at something else. But uh, we've seen it in the Big Ten a couple times. If this one actually got overturned. And it was it was quite an interesting development. So uh, my the jury's still out, at least in my mind, on whether how effective it is because uh, two and one seems like it could have been the right call. Yeah. And you know, watching it in real time, you're like, well, it could have been waved off. So uh, you know, it's it's. I wonder how much that's going to come into play with Iowa and Minnesota this weekend. Yeah, I, I know, and I I think with. Uh... With a big dual meet like that, I think a lot of times uh, you know it's going to come down to questionable calls. You, you just know going in that there's going to be some heated exchanges and that uh, both sides aren't going to like something. So it's one of those meets that's uh, it's almost impossible to uh, to officiate because you know someone's going to be upset. But that's the that's the nature of any sport. Uh, the coaches are always going to be upset at a call. All right. Well, let's go through the lineup real quick. We've got our preview coming out later uh, later this week on AmateurWrestlingNews.com. Again, you're listening to On the Mat, the web edition. We're covering wrestling from every angle here with with the uh, the old voices of Wrestling 411, which we, we still look back and 
just kind of uh, reminisce a little bit. But uh, 125, Matt McDonough, David Thorne, how do you see that one shaking out? Oh, no doubt Matt McDonough is going to win that match. Uh, Matt McDonough is in his senior season going for his third NCAA championship. Already made the finals three times. He doesn't lose. Uh, do you think we're talking bonus points here, or do you think uh, McDonough's time off the mat might be affecting with, with, with the weight? You know, I, I'm always uh, I'm always going to give Matt McDonough the benefit of the doubt of uh, of getting bonus points. So if, uh, if you had to push me on it, I think that uh, McDonough's going to get bonus points. All right, 133, Chris Dardanes and Tony Ramos. Dardanes coming off a rough performance where he got majored by Daryl Thomas, and if that's any indication of what we could be seeing, this could be a long one for, for Mr. Dardanes. Yeah, I think that uh, I'll just give it a, a regular decision for Ramos at this point, but uh, I certainly think that Ramos is the, the clear-cut favorite to win that particular match. I like this next matchup at 141, Mark Ballweg of Iowa and Nick Dardanes of Minnesota. Nick's been wrestling pretty well, and Ballweg's kind of a guy that's it's he always tends to get overlooked in a lot of discussions because he's not one of the, the super studs at Iowa. He's been there a while. Uh, he's been he's seen spot starting. He's not been terrible by any means. He's had some decent wins, but now he's finding himself ranked uh, close to the top ten, nine, ten that range. Uh, this could be a lot uh, a lot closer than people expect. Yeah, it, it could be close. I, I like Balwig uh, and what he's doing this season. I, I'm still going with Dardanes in that particular uh, particular matchup, but uh, Balwig's shown some stuff this year. He's really uh, he's re- really wrestled solid in dual meets, and, and what, from what I've seen of him, I think that uh, the Iowa coaching staff has to be happy, but. I think that's one of those those swing matches that uh, that Minnesota needs in order to stay competitive with Iowa in this particular duel. So I, I definitely would give it to Dardanes on paper. Uh, 149, Dylan Ness off that uh, inexplicable, inexplicably ugly loss to Caleb Irvin. Uh, is either going to have Mike Kelly or Brody Grothus. Uh, who, who do you like from Iowa in that situation, knowing the style that, that Ness wrestles? I, I like Mike Kelly. I, I think that uh, he, he's a kind of a, a bad matchup for uh for him and i'm saying that after what happened last year with uh with dylan ness getting some some big points and getting some throws and uh and really kind of dinging him a little bit in that match but but i still like mike kelly in that match because uh it, it's scary what he can do once he gets rolling and uh he has that never never say die attitude and he's going to keep moving forward i don't see dylan ness losing this match i think he's uh going to want some vindication for what happened on monday but i think mike kelly's the right choice to throw in there for iowa all right, Derek St. John, top ranked in the country after a little chippy performance against Michigan State, and he's going to take on probably Danny Zilverberg, who is he seemed to emerge as probably the best of a lot for Minnesota. Uh, this is a bonus point situation, you think, for St. John, or is it just going to be like a workman like seven one eight one type of match? I think it's going to be bonus because I think, uh, as you said, St. John is top ranked, and I think that. Uh, Iowa preaches that to build leads, and I think that St. John's the guy that can do it. I think if there's anything suspect about St. John is he doesn't get to his offense early enough that uh, a lot of times he really kind of relies on someone else shooting, and then he's just got that length. I mean, if you don't finish a shot on St. John right away, you're not going to finish. It's got to be doubles or or you get that head to the inside single, and you got to finish uh, by cutting across right away. If you hang on for more than two seconds, you're done against St. John. So uh, I, I really do see bonus points in this match. We've got Nick Moore and Cody Yawn at 165. Uh, you obviously, Yawn favored on paper, but – you know, he's one of those guys that can, can drop a match sometimes and look, you just kind of look and scratch your head. How do you see this one shaking out? Uh, yeah, again, I probably see Yawn in this match just because I think both are, are kind of in the same boat. And, and when 
when you have that and it's a, it's a home dual meet for Minnesota, I think you, you always go with the, the home guy on, on paper, but that's, you know, that's why we're talking about it in advance and, and having fun with it. But on paper, I give it to Jan, but if, if someone says, hey, Nick Moore won the match, it's not going to really surprise me. Match I think a lot of us are looking forward to the most is is the match at 174 with Logan Storley and Mike Evans. Uh, it seems you've definitely got a, a fresher, more battle-hungry, if that is an actual uh, compliment, I guess, to Mike Evans. Mike Evans and Logan Storley, number two versus number four. This one ought to be fun. Oh, yeah. I uh, This is one that... Uh... I think anytime Mike Evans is in a match, it's uh, and Storley, it's it's going to be fireworks. But sometimes what happens is when you have these high expectations with with two uh, great wrestlers, they don't live up to the expectations. But I think these guys are actually going to put on a show. I think it'll be an entertaining match for the fans. So uh, hopefully the winners are the people that get to watch the duel meet. But actually going with Evans in this particular match, I think uh, Evans is uh, is showing something this season. He's uh, he's beaten out of. Uh, former All-American, although it was a couple of years ago, and he had to have a hot tournament to get third uh, in Grant Gambrel. But, yeah, I'm going with Evans in this one. Yeah, so definitely interesting. You get South Dakota versus Pennsylvania in terms of the uh, the high school lineage there. Evans just, uh, you know, it's I, I, I'm impressed with him up at 74. I think that should have probably been where he was to start with, but he didn't make the cut and sacrifice down to – I mean, didn't have a bad year at 65, just had a bad tournament at Nationals. And, and Storley, you know, he's he's looked like he's turned it up a little bit. He's got that fall over uh, – he picked up the fall over Matt Brown and his only lost this year, of course, to uh, to Chris Perry. But it should be interesting. 184, Kevin Steinhaus, who I thought looked extremely impressive, uh, beating Tony DeLago, takes on Ethan Lofthouse, who just had a recent loss to John Rizkala of Michigan State. Uh, seems to be a little more separation now than maybe if we talked about this match two weeks ago. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that's pretty accurate, uh, I, and I think Lofthouse is, is the guy that's going to get it done there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's all about what, what's happened recently, and I, I don't know how that's going to affect Minnesota wrestling on Monday and then coming back around. Uh, it's so rare to, to hear about a Monday duel meet. It's just it's hard for me to even imagine that, but I like it. I think it's good for fans to be able to watch a, a duel meet on a weekday and turn on Big Ten Network and say, hey, there's a, there's a duel meet between – two top-ranked teams, two two teams in the top five wrestling against each other. So that's really fun. 197, Nathan Burak rapidly improving for Iowa, the true freshman, mm-hmm. even though he did spend a year at the Olympic Training Center. So he does have an extra year out of high school. And Scott Schiller, so you know Burak's got a couple decent wins recently. He's beat Andrew Campolitano. He's beat Max Huntley. And Scott Schiller, of course, with that big win over Mario Gonzalez. Uh, I think Minnesota and Schiller's got to be slightly favored on paper here. But, uh, you know, Burak's been wrestling well. I, I do too. I think that uh, again, you you just go with the guy who's slightly favored on paper, and then uh, then has that hometown advantage. Uh, Minnesota still kind of has that uh, advantage of winning the uh, the national duels last year over Iowa, and I, I think that still still holds true when you you take that dual meet concept. I mean, Minnesota is a team built for dual meets, and when it comes down to it, and you have it at 197 pounds, I think uh, you give the nod to Minnesota, but. Like some of the other matches, I think it's extremely close. And hey, moving to heavyweight, we haven't seen Bobby Telford for the last couple duels for Iowa. Uh, he'll draw the returning national champ and second-ranked Tony Nelson. Um, this one might have three-two written all over it, Kyle. I know how much I know how much you hate three-twos. Oh, I mean, I how could I give commentary better than what you just gave there? It has three-two absolutely written all over it. Telford's in the lineup and he's healthy. I, I think that uh, he's a guy that's 
really almost impossible to score on. So, um, I, of course, I'm giving the nod to Nelson, the defending NCAA champion. But, uh, yeah, it ain't, ain't going to be a blowout. It, it'll be a, a boring one-point match. Yeah, so I haven't actually been keeping track of the score. So I haven't either. Take, yeah, take all that into consideration. I mean, it, it, we've got, uh, you know, 19-18 or, or some 20-19 to 19 written all over this. Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to be. So, it's uh, it, it, again, uh, with a team like Minnesota who relies on balance, it's uh, it's really going to count on uh, an entire team performance, not just – yeah, you you really have to do what you did against Illinois, where you got to rely on on some guys to come through for you in big matches. But I don't think they can have the slip ups like they did against Illinois. It just can't happen against Iowa. All right, that'll wrap up the the discussion here against Iowa and Minnesota. We're going to be there live, Tom, live on Saturday. Of course, it'll probably be on the Big Ten Network. I'm not sure exactly what time, but I'm sure it will be probably live with Gibbons and Johnson on the call. And uh, that's that's. Pretty much what I think we have for today, Mr. Klingman, as far as wrapping up the web edition. And again, uh, we will kick back up with the On the Mat, the terrestrial version with Kyle's weekly shows, usually two great guests and the world's greatest co-host, Doug Van Gelder, who unfortunately under the weather yesterday. But uh, Kyle, it's, uh, you know, always good to chit chat with uh, with wrestling and movies and uh, remember to hammer down, hammer down. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, this time and uh, always enjoy the conversations. All right, that's Kyle Klingman from the Dan Gable Wrestling Museum, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. For our folks up in or down in Waterloo, Jason Bryant here up in Minnesota for Amateur Wrestling News. You've been listening to On the Mat, Wrestling from Every Angle, the podcast edition. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.